welcome to Leadership of Fools. And uh, Rick Brown, who often hosts this particular episode, often says it's a special episode, but today I can only say it's a very special episode, uh, a bit of a global episode. And uh, let's actually go to our first global guest, uh, Enrique Rubio, uh, who we've just been talking has a has a radio voice from the 19... What, what, what era did you suggest? I want to say 1920. 1920s 1920s and the yeah. look of uh, 1920s movie star as well I reckon Woo. yeah <laughs> and uh, you've just been telling me that post this particular podcast you're about to hit the mountains of San Diego uh, yes. for your daily run and um, I'm already impressed uh, knowing that I'm not going to leave here for a daily run but how many miles do you think you'd actually uh, clock today I'm probably gonna be doing like ten miles, maybe. In ten months. miles. So yeah. But by the way, you, you I know you are on December the twelfth. Yes. For me, this is still December the eleventh, and today it is International Mountain Day. Are you so serious? Yeah, it is. I'm totally serious. So I'm gonna be celebrating International Mountain Day by running in the mountains. Oh, <laughs> what a perfect way to do that! And Absolutely. And also with us, I have Simone Carroll, who's not quite as far away from me as San Diego. In fact, you're sitting about 10 inches away from me right now. I'm almost touching your shoulder. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And I'm also going to go with the international theme because at 10.20 p.m. tonight, I jump on a plane and I head to Stockholm and uh, Stockholm, Sweden, and um, I've never been there, and I just cannot wait. Although I know it's about minus two degrees there, um, Celsius, snow, but I, uh, but I can't wait. So. Um, and what are you packing in your in your bag for Stockholm? I'm packing uh, long johns and uh, uh, lots of. Um, in fact, we're going, and I, I'm super excited about this. We're spending five nights in Stockholm, then four nights in the Arctic Circle with the hope of seeing the Northern Lights. And um, on that front, we're not even packing anything because they're renting all the stuff that we need when we arrive. You are ticking off I'm the bucket off. list. Yes, yes, yes. What a dream come true. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Have you, have you ever seen the Northern Lights before? No, no. It is, it is the weirdest, mo- you know, I think it is one of the most impressive things that you're ever going to see in your life uh, oh. because, I mean, it has a physical, physics explanation behind it. Yes. When you see it, you just don't think, I mean, it's a miracle to see those things. It's just incredible. It yeah. really is. So I hope you can see them because they are, they are elusive. So uh, <laughs> I hope you can, I hope you can see them. So I probably need to learn how to manage my own expectations. Uh, and as I'm telling everyone now, a global audience that I'm about to see them and there's every chance I'll come back um, and I'll have to uh, steal a few photos from someone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we could keep talking forever about mountains, ultra running uh, and uh, the Northern Lights. But we're here to talk about uh, something that is actually pretty dear to all three of us, and that's uh, the future of work and particularly the role that the HR profession and community has played and can play. And I want to kind of start uh, with both of you. I might even start with you, Simone. The mm-hmm. question of, um, it might sound like a strange question to ask, but why do you care? Why do you care about the HR profession and the HR community? Oh, 
Well, I, <laughs> Enrique laughs. I can't wait to hear your your answer. No, the questions are asked just one time. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a big question. Why why do I care? Why do we care about anything? It grabs me to my soul. You know, as as long as uh, you know, trade's been around. Humans have been coming together to solve problems for a long time, and wherever humans come together to solve problems, there's been trade there's been business there's been economic purpose and you know imagine if we could if we could link that 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 purpose that sense of purpose together as a group of employees and and really solve those those problems for for other people customers um in ways that are that are um, better than ever before we get to advance the human race and make uh the economy great in the process what's not to love about that Mm. Trump that one, Enrique. What do you? Uh, t- t- how would you uh, take that one even further? And I will say, and to acknowledge you, uh, you have absolutely put yourself out there over the last couple of years, and um, and we'll talk a lot about what you've created and what is possible and what potential goes forward. But but again, why do you care? I'm gonna say what Simone said. Um, so <laughs> no, well, you know, I I care. You know, for the same reasons, I think. Uh, I'm very passionate about serving others. And, uh, you know, this comes back to, to the way my mom uh, raised us, you know, to, um, you know, serve others, serve the community, be, be of help and support of others. And all through my career, I, I, I have done that in one way or another. And, and I think that to me, I'm very passionate about serving the HR community because I think HR has a very unique opportunity right now as opposed to you know, maybe its entire history, but right now HR has a very unique and extraordinary opportunity to become a trailblazer, guiding people, organizations successfully into the future of work. And the reason why I think HR has that unique opportunity is because if you leave the world only to technologists, and I say this because I'm a technologist, I'm an electronic engineer, my career started in in telecommunications. If you leave the world to the design to be designed only by technologists, maybe they will be missing the people's picture, right? And I think HR has the people's picture and we need to learn a lot about many things that are happening. But if we are able to bring the people's picture in the design of this new world of work, we're going to be creating something really awesome where we take advantage and leverage on technology, but always for the purpose of serving humankind. Because if not, it doesn't make sense. And we're going to be repeating the same mistakes we made you know, at the at the beginning of the 1900s, when we were at the at the you know at the apex of the second industrial revolution, and hundreds of millions of people had to move to cities to live like like you know like trash, because they wanted to find jobs and they were living in the most horrible conditions. So I think that HR now has that unique opportunity, but also the big responsibility to put people in the center of attention of all the conversation about the future of work. So that's why I'm so passionate about not only HR, but about the role that HR has in this new sort of reality of work. So are we all concerned, because you raised the question of technology and you raised the question of HR being a trailblazer. Uh, My read would be right now we're not, like the technology leads the humanity. Mm 
so are we literally in catch-up mode, Simone? Mm, absolutely. So um, like Enrique, I've spent some time in technology. It's interesting how these two things, these two worlds are converging and about time, I'd say. For the last 10 to 15 years, our businesses have been, been uh, trying to navigate the world of technology as though the human problem that needs to be solved isn't the first thing that we should be thinking of. Yep. You know, as though technology is disrupting humanity when it's not, it is the opportunity to, to advance, right? So our opportunity now as the HR team is to start to represent the human being in all of this. The next 10 to 15 years is about artificial intelligence, right? What does that mean? for humanity, artificial intelligence. Does that mean that technology leads? No, it doesn't. The opportunity now is to, as we start to think about moving software to the cloud, as we start to think about machine learning to, to replicate human thought and decision-making, the opportunity is for the human expert, so that the person with deep domain expertise, to sit down next to the person who can code and talk about how the process should be done, wow. how the problem should be solved. Yep. And if human yep. beings, so if experts in their, their original trade, you know, be it, um, uh, you know, sales, marketing, yes. uh, accountants, yes. right? These people aren't sitting down next to the technologists, then these human problems aren't going to be solved pro properly. So more than ever, I absolutely agree. These worlds are converging of, of people and technology. And if, if HR don't, don't see their role in the, in the room, then they're really not paying attention. And no, I don't think everyone has been. There's exceptions to that. Enrique, absolutely exception. And I'm so glad that he's part of the, the pioneers who are leading the way. How well does that sit with you? And I might even go back to the original question around it. How far behind, if we are behind, is the HR uh, lagging behind technology and what can help us to catch up? Yeah, we're very far behind. And, but not only, not only HR, I think, I think even, even technologists are, 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 are getting behind because everything, every day there's something new coming up and it's just difficult to catch up. And it's interesting because there's this curve of the exponential rate of change. Yes. And technology grows exponentially from the 1950s uh, with the advent of technology, with computing power and electronics. Technology has been growing exponentially. And humanity and organizations can't, cannot grow at that pace, cannot change at that pace. We change more, you know, on a flatter kind of approach, on a more linear base. So that means that even though technology is changing extremely fast, there's no way for us, for humans, to be able to catch up and to remain up to date with all the changes in technology. Now, what we have to keep in mind as sort of the core of everything we do is the human, right? Yes. And, and I think even in that, which is, you may think, well, you know, putting the human in the center of everything that we do should be taken for granted in the HR function is not. Yes, I know. Uh, which is surprising, you know, because we're not even talking about technology here. We're talking about how can we design our HR processes so that they truly serve people and not people serving those processes. Mm. That to me should be one thing that we should be taking for granted today, but, but it's not happening that way. If you think about it in, in the United States, 70% of the workforce is disengaged. Yes. The cost of disengagement is extremely high. And I am pretty sure that this is the same reality <laughs> in most developed and developing countries as well. So if we, and we're not talking about technology, we're mm -hmm. talking about a very human aspect of 
helping people find joy, <laughs> meaning, happiness at work. So leave technology totally aside. If we can't provide just that very basic level of, of, of opportunity for people to find those important things at work, I mean, what are we doing talking about technology if we can't do these things, right? So we are far so you're behind. talking about something much more fundamental to start with, really, before Absolutely. we even... Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. and let, let me just add one more note. Yeah. Uh, whenever I talk to people about technology and the impact of technology, I always tell them, avoid by all means getting, you know, getting uh, in love, falling in love with a shiny technology before you go back to your HR processes to determine whether they are adding value or not. Yes. Because mm -hmm. if you are just thinking about technology, basically what you're doing is patching up a process that is not delivering value yes. and you're making it worse because in two years from now, you're going to realize, oh my God, we, we, we brought the wrong technology and now everything's wrong, but enhancedly wrong. Yeah. Right. So, so we gotta, we gotta step back and think how can we really keep the human at the center of everything that we do? And then we use technology to help us do that. Let's, um, yeah, a little part of me is very fired up right now. Uh, the, the two of you had that effect on me. You, uh, the two of you don't know each other, but uh, I respect the two of you immensely and you've got me already revved up. <laughs> Except I'm going to do maybe the counterpoint and kind of very much ground it. I tend to know that sometimes um, this feels both exciting and overwhelming at the same time. So uh, a couple of grounded questions if i'm starting an hr career today like uh that's my first day on the job uh what can i do uh, on that first day and that first year mm. that actually will set this up for success going forward simone mm. so day one is day one Understand the commercial levers of the business that right. you work for and prioritize those. Right. right? So and, why, and why do you go there first? Because that's the context. Context is always key. So you've got to come in. So assuming, this is assuming that you, you have some HR knowledge. Yes. You might have gone to university, you've, you've done your trade, you're a specialist, you're a generalist, whatever yes. it is you are. The first thing is to understand that context that you operate in. From yes. there we start to prioritize. Um, the only conversation that the CEO wants to be having with an HR team is how we're driving commercial performance. Yes. Right? Revenue, cost of goods sold. Now, in the process, we know in order to be able to do that, we need people making great decisions because they feel psychologically safe, because they want to be there because they're right for the job. We get yes. that, right? The CEO gets that. That's intuitive. Yes. But the CEO wants to be having conversations and your boss, the HR director, wants to be having conversations about the commercial priorities that are linked to the economic purpose of the organization, not just the, the, the purpose in the spiritual sense, but the, how do we make money in doing that? Yes. And there's nothing wrong with making money in the, in the process of delivering purpose because that's what creates prosperity in the communities that we operate in. And if I stick with this just a bit longer, uh, the myth buster in me mm. says that may not be the first thing people are thinking about. Um, what might they be distracted by when I'm starting my job thinking I need to what? Well, 
know, so some people have different different approaches. So it's interesting. Most people go into HR because because they enjoy the people aspect of the job. Yeah. Now I've seen that go one of two ways. <laughs> Either they embrace the people. We want to get to know everyone really well. I love that everybody should should do that. So we want to understand the the, the heart and soul you know, yes. of, of the business. I love that. Right. But also some people almost um, want to reject that because they're afraid of liking people and they go straight to the Venn diagrams yeah, and, right. their, you know, their BCG background on, you know, how HR human capital should get a return on investment. Okay. Yes. This is, you need to think like a CEO yes. when, you, when you approach a business. And as I say, it always comes, so coming back to what is it that CEO would be thinking about? What keeps them up at night? And that's what you go to bed thinking about at night time. Yeah, nice. You go to bed thinking about the commercial drivers of the business. How are we going to drive top line growth? How are we going to, to get sort of appropriate earnings for this year? What is the growth strategy? And from there, we can start thinking about, well, how can I can contribute to that as a generalist or a specialist? Right, great. Is that a surprise to you, Enrique? Do you have a different take on it? First day. Oh, First. I think I think it's fascinating, uh, uh, you know, what Simone is talking about. I, I, I fully agree. I think very often what happens is that when you come to a career in HR, you know, you're, you're getting all this content about HR processes and systems and the certification and the blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, we miss the bigger picture of what we are here for in the first place, right? Which is serving people and serving, serving our organizations. If we can, to me, HR is not about HR. And that's the problem with HR, and that's the problem with yes. the historic HR. <laughs> HR has been, we're doing HR, high, we're I'm doing fist high pumping. fives. What is <laughs> HR anyway? It's business. <laughs> yeah, HR has been, has existed for the sake of HR. Yeah. And unfortunately, that approach can't, doesn't work anymore. HR has to be, HR has to, has to turn around and, and understand that it is, that it exists to ensure organizational longevity so that the organization can be you know profitable and sustainable in the long term and to do that they need to serve people because through serving people they can ensure that those organizations have a long life so that to me is the one thing and then the second thing you know based on your question about you know where hr is today and where we need to be i always this is this is funny because i always tell people that to do good hr work they need to learn non-HR stuff. Yes. So whenever, if I'm, if today, if, if I was telling this to myself, you know, many, many years ago, and today was my first day in HR school, the one thing that I would tell me is, you know, here, <laughs> uh, pay attention to all the things that these people are, are teaching you, but make sure that you expand your portfolio of skills and capabilities by learning what you're not being taught in this school, which is 99.9% .9 of the things that you're gonna need out there in the real world when you go out there. Digital transformation, for example, that is not taught in HR school. Emerging technologies, marketing, uh, PR, employee bra employer branding or, or personal branding, those things are not taught in HR school. Even, even they, reading a balance sheet, even reading a profit and loss, like sometimes, absolutely. that's right. Like, 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 you know, those basic things. Basic so things, you yeah. you your first day in school and you understand that what you're learning in a school is like a, a very thin slice of all the things that you need to do in your HR career. Yes. So you need HR needs to learn non-HR stuff to do good HR work. Yeah, so don't be too insular. 
don't, mm. which is, which is again, I suspect, and I think you alluded to this, this idea that it's not just the HR profession, it's any profession mm. that loses its way by focusing too much internally, becoming too yeah. insular, yeah. losing. And if, Pauline, if you think about it, what's going on right now with the newer generations, the younger generations, you know, if they want to become a programmer, they don't go to programming in school. That's not a thing anymore. Mm. They go to YouTube and they watch you know, 10 hours of YouTube videos, and then they get to, you know, click up everything and learn how to do it by themselves. So, yeah. you know, we are, we have so much, so many opportunities right now to learn things that we're not being taught in a school. So that, that's, that's, to me, it's important. Do you know, there's important. a, there's a, there's a little secret to, yeah. to oh, HR, nice. which I'm, I'm, I'm writing notes. Now, right this, now. Is, this is global, Enrique, I'm sure you'll agree. And I'm going to say this and, uh, <laughs> And colleagues may, may hate me for it, giving it away. No one is going to expect us to be commercial. Right. No one expects us to do this. Yes. Right? Nobody expects us to know the numbers. The expectations are low. Expectations for HR are really low. Mm. That's what we're living up to at the moment. Yeah. It is optional to understand the business, right? Yeah. It is optional to be the master of the commercial levers, yeah. right? And you may not even get paid for it <laughs> if you don't know how to position the value, right? Oh, yeah. Why does HR not, why are we not sort of entering into uh, into CEO positions? Why are we not in the succession plan for the CEO? Yes. This should be the most commercial role, general role on the executive, right? Wow. By the time that you're, by the time that you've been in, 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 in a HR role for 20 plus years, you should be in the box seat for a general leadership role ceo coo this should be the most commercial role in the business and that's the secret nobody's expecting you to yeah but that's your chance a great hr leader is the source of material value creation mm -hmm. they're alive to the market that they operate in and they have command over every commercial lever in the organization well they have the biggest through people they have the biggest asset they have the biggest <laughs> asset but nobody yeah. expects you to wow well i love it the expectations are low, like like you said, Simone. You know, it, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that 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 that's the case because what's happened is that for so many years, HR was told to you know fire, hire, pay. <laughs> that's all you gotta do. Don't take risk. Don't be innovative. <laughs> don't do this. Don't do that. And now we are being maybe not being told, but we there's something different expected from us, which is now you gotta be innovative. Now you gotta take risk. Now you gotta lead the way. So it's it's a I, I understand that it's a lot of uh, transformation that it has to happen not only in HR as a as a function you know that that we can't really see but it has it also has to happen in each of us who work in HR you know we gotta change our mindsets for us to be able to embrace what you're saying you know nobody's expecting us yeah. for, to understand finance the financials <laughs> of, of a company but once you do and you come to your CEO and you say I can transform this HR you know, strategies into into financial uh, jargon. Wow, nobody's expecting that from them. But yes. once you do it, you become valuable, yeah. right? So I absolutely agree with you, Simon. So there's lots of us, um, and that's that's a good thing because if you're feeling in any way again overwhelmed right now, and you are hearing from two very impressive people, uh, but one of the things I know about these two people is they do constantly put themselves outside of their comfort zones mm. and they do learn. Mm. So we're not asking every single one of you to change everything. That's that's not the ask. 
but it is every single one of you moving outside of your comfort zone into different areas and seeing your taking a different mindset, building different skills. I'm going to shout out again, you, Simone, and you and Enrique in terms of a couple of things I know about you, but I want you to go further with it in terms of learning. Um, was it two and a half years ago that you went and learned how to code? I did. Yeah. Yes. So tell me why you did that. Yeah, I did. It's only for um, sort of front end yep. um, coding. I did that because uh, I've worked for technology companies and understood that a number of businesses are moving towards having a technology platform. Yes. In the HR world, the way that you think about that is what Enrique was saying before is that companies are in a position to create exponential growth as opposed to, to linear growth. So yes. you want to understand what a digital platform means from a financial performance and product growth point of view is that but you also need to understand how the organization comes together from a technology platform point of view yes so it's really important to understand and Enrique is more qualified to talk about this but the technology stack that sits within your business what does that mean in terms of risk because part of one of the reasons why HR isn't always as valued is we don't carry the same risk as a CEO, yeah. a salesperson, or as an IT person. Yes. So you want to understand the risks of, of a technology platform, yes. um, which are very serious in the age of privacy and security being an issue. And you want to understand what it takes to be able to, to, to code and create beautiful front-end experiences, the way that customer service and support needs to, to happen in the human realm. So it used to be about sort of service and still is to some extent. Service can enhance uh, an, a, a customer's experience with the business. But that website also needs to perform um, seamlessly when it comes to that front-end brand experience of a business. Great. Um, I also know, and we'll come back to this, you've just come back from Harvard as well. So you've mm. gone from a, a, um, embracing what it might feel like to learn a new craft, a new skill in coding, mm. then being stimulated intellectually at Harvard. Two and a half years ago, uh, on Reiki, you were where? Thinking about what? <laughs> uh, let me see. On December tenth, two thousand seven, two years and a half ago, I, I I was working in HR for for a company, and you know, always interest. I, I, I've always been very interested in learning. Actually, HR is my second career. My first career is uh, electronic engineering. That's yes. how I started my professional career. So HR has been a learning, you know, kind of journey for me as well. And of course, through this journey, I, I also came to the conclusion that we, we are missing a lot of things that we could do better. Uh, and in my view, we have the potential, there's a potential state for HR. And that potential state is the HR that understands technology, is the HR that is adding value, is the HR that is ensuring um, organizational longevity or long-term you know, profitability and sustainability. That's the potential state of HR. But as I was doing my own work in HR and I was you know, looking at what some of my colleagues were doing, I also get to realize that very often, yes, we are not very risk-taking, and you know, we, we 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 sort of remain within a very very small box. Uh, you know, it's like when they say think out think outside of the box. You know, some boxes are larger than yes. others. The other box is really small. Yes, and we've we've remained in there for, for for a long time. So I was trying to learn, you know, what to do to to make it better. And you, you know, you broke honestly, through that box. You, so you did break through that box. I did, yes, because I was, I, I was honestly, be, you know, very, very upset at the reality of HR, and I was thinking, wow, you know, why is this, why is this happening? You know, why are we doing things in this way? Why are we treating people in this way? Not only 
in the organization, but within HR, uh, which is so surprising, you know, that we, you know, we try to sell an idea to the organization and we are the last ones to practice that one thing, right? Yes. And uh, so it, it really sucks, kind of. <laughs> You know, to put it in a way. And you actually, so, you're, you're, can I slow you down? You're using quite emotive terms. You were upset. You were disappointed yeah. that we were practicing what we were preaching. Yeah. 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 Well, so, uh, you know, there's research that shows that 80% of the people do not trust HR. Yes. And, and you know, it's whether it is 80% or 65 or 92, you know, the reality is that whenever somebody's, the exercise here is, if somebody from HR calls you to your office, what is the first thing you think about? You don't think about, oh my God, you know, my friends from HR are calling me. You're thinking, yeah, I'm gonna be fired. Absolutely. Right? And that sucks. That that's the rap that we have. We have such such a bad rap. Yeah. And you know, I'm working, and you know, you calling Simone and many others are working pretty tirelessly to to change that rap. You know, to change that tune and and make people understand that HR is there to serve them and to make the best of their experience in that particular job, whatever they are. Oh, absolutely. We need to be the team that accelerates the business forward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm going to ask you the question about hacking HR and how um, I, I almost feel like we were just hitting on that moment of what might have been a catalyst for it and, and where it went to from there. But just prior to doing that, how getting yourself outside of your comfort zone, mm -hmm. Simone, um, because I think we're about to hear a bit of a story around that as well. Mm. But for you, how do you, A, do it yourself, mm. and B, given you've been um, a senior exec in a lot of you know organisations, tech and larger corporates, mm. how do you create an environment where HR people can also move outside of their comfort zones? Mm. So this is for myself and then there's yeah. the environment. I guess it, it comes down to surrounding yourself with, with people who are prepared to challenge and support you yes. at the same time. Yes. So people who are going to call you out on your own BS. The thing yep. about HR people is we, we believe that we understand people, right? <laughs> yeah. We believe that we should be able to figure out our own problems. You know, I've been there. <laughs> I should get this stuff. Um, the most valuable people around me, people like you know Damien Zara and Danny Wilson, um, these are executives in the Australian scene um, who've been calling, who've called out my BS over the years, right? <laughs> and I, they, were, I, they were your direct reports. They were my. I don't know where I'd be without them. Right. Right. Um, my. I've had managers who've um, you know been prepared. Gina Jardine, one of my early ones, uh, worked in the mining sector for a long time. Lives in Canada. Um, call me out early days, you know, mm. on, on uh, how I saw myself, right? Yes. And this is all about keeping ego in check yes. as we go, as we go mm. about telling people what to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, unions, surprisingly enough, one of my greatest, um, the, the person probably who made me feel the most uncomfortable was the head of the ETU, this Australian Electrical Trade Union. Yeah, wow. Well. Guy called Neville Betts. Yeah. Um, who challenged me like no one else, but one day said to me at the same time, Simone, you know, when you when you speak, people listen, mm. right? Mm. And then so Ch I, I had to the keep getting out of my comfort zone. Making you better. Making me better, yeah. right? Yeah. And what he was saying is, is he would just as easily, you know, argue against me. Yes. But he was saying, keep your voice in the room. Keep yes. your voice in the room. Nice. Uh, chairman. Hamish yeah. McLennan, wonderful chairman um, of, of uh, REA Group, again, uh, an Australian business, did an, an incredible job of having voices be heard. 
um, Greg Ellis was the first uh, CEO yeah. to um, back me. Yeah, you yeah. know, these are people who haven't been afraid of my BS. Yeah, right? nice, nice. But at the same time, as they were prepared to give feedback, um, they were there for me. Nice. You know, and I felt comfortable in doing that. Um, the other person, just a, a shout out to in that sense, a guy called Steve Brown, who played a major role with Shurem, the um, Society of HR Management in the US. And um, he was one of the early people in HR to say, look, this is this is not right, HR. You need to look at yourself in the mirror. And, you know, as a let's let's just recognize that, that we're, they're not the authority when it comes to people. Yeah. Well, and um, who's brave enough who's to brave do things enough. differently? Yeah. And let's do this together. So he did that in the collective sense. So creating an environment where people challenge each other and support each other in a low ego kind of way and never breaking that trust. Right. Because people are going to tell you secrets all the time in that vulnerable space. The moment you know you sh- you share that that private thought with with someone else, or you take advantage of that. That's what we way. mean by serving people, because because oh, yeah. that's we all know that as in humanity, the sense of feeling safe, both physically and psychologically, and that includes yes. the vulnerability I might share with you and yes. how you can use that information to support me or how you can use that event information against Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And this is what happens. You get, you, you'll get known for that yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Whether, whether people found out that you told their secrets or not to the CEO because yes. you didn't have anything else to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know that, mm. um, yeah, John, John does seem a little bit off the, at the moment. Did you know did that, did that, did that? Not sure if John, ready for that role yet right yes you start doing that sort of stuff and john and john's colleagues will sense it yeah absolutely so really important that that hr teams are thinking about the the skills that are required to get jobs done that's supporting john to be able to do that that's connecting john in the most positive way to his opportunity yes as an example it's not it's it's about getting the work done understanding how the work works and getting the work done yes and the conversation with the ceo is not what john said the conversation with the ceo is how's that driving sales and strategy yes i love it um i'm very conscious and in fact simone when you came into the studio this morning you said to me uh the topic we're about to cover today could be a long-term podcast series extensive series of books um but it's really important to me uh, on Reiki to hear the origin story of hacking HR and but probably more importantly, where to next? Yeah, yeah, where the story of hacking HR and where to next that, you know, we, I, I think out of the, as I mentioned before, out of the need to create a community in HR that helped HR uh, connect and learn from each other and, and push each other to do better, I think that's a little bit of the origin of, of hacking HR. The name hacking, you know, I'm a technologist and I, or that was the, you know, the, the origins of my career. And when you're hacking something, what you do is the very basic, uh, you know, kind of component of all technology or most technology, software technology is lines of code. I mean, you have binary, you know, one zeros, but then, you know, those that creates, you know, lines of code. And when you're hacking something, you get into the lines of code of that something and you change the stuff, right? Yes. And that's the very core of, of what creates basically every technology that we know. And to me, when I was thinking about HR and the changes that we needed in HR, I was thinking, you know, I look around and I see a lot of people trying to do something. But in my view, 
a lot of those things, even though they're positive, they continue to tackle sort of the, the, the implications of what it's a root problem. And we're not looking into those things. So, so I created Hacking HR, first of all, to talk about technology, future of work, organizations, people, and bring people together, but in a way that was really going deep and not just superficial. Yes. And to be honest, we, we have been successful in some way, but we still have a lot of work to do to make that happen. And a little bit of the vision is, well, next right now we have about 80 communities created all over the world. I am hoping Melbourne, you know, it's one of the, one of our most fantastic communities. So kudos to the Melbourne community because they have done an incredible job. I think it's like 10 or 12 uh, uh, meetups in 12 or 14 months. So amazing work in Melbourne. So I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, excited and humbled that, that, you know, to have bring brought together this community that is making, you know, all these amazing things. So we have about 80 communities all over the world. And for next year, 2020, what I'm trying to do is create a total of 200 communities all over the world, meaning 200 chapters. And the vision, my vision for 2021, if not before, but at least by 2021, is that Hacking HR is for Hacking HR to become the largest community of collaboration and connection among HR leaders, people, strategies, practitioners, and whatnot. And I don't say this lightly, you know, because it's to me, very often when people hear the words like, you know, we want to be the biggest thing of this thing or that thing, they always think about the amount of followers, like oh, how many people are following you? Or oh, you only have 100,000 followers, well, the other one has, you know, 200,000 followers, so they are bigger than you. So to me, it is not just about how many people are following us, it's about how many people are connecting, are collaborating, are sharing, are supporting each other, are challenging each other to do better. So if we have- It's a quality question, not just quantity. It's a quality. quality. It's a quality yeah. question. It's not a quantity question. So to me, creating that community and providing that bridge for yes. people to connect from all over the world, that to me is the success of Hacking HR. And that's what I'm hoping that we uh, turn Hacking HR into, the largest community of collaboration and connection among HR folks. Melbourne with all the other countries and all the other countries with Melbourne and you know so on and so forth. So that's, an, that's, the, that's the vision. There's an obvious follow-up question. How many hours do you sleep? <laughs> um, I sleep well. You know, I, I, I usually need between six and seven hours of sleep. Are you so, really? That's yeah, right. I used, to, I used to sleep way less than that when I was, you know, way younger. You know, I, I would get three or four hours a day and that was that was more than enough. But, you know, as we get a little older, we need a little bit more sleep, I think, you know, too. And I run a lot out there, so I need to let my body heal from all the running. But, you know, it's... a uh, it's exciting. What's difficult here is to, you know, there are there are a couple of complexities here. Number one, at least for me personally, number one is to, the one question that I'm always asking myself is, how do I keep the people that are saying that they want to participate in this at the beginning, how do I keep them, you know, at that level of, of engagement and yeah. energy all yes. throughout? That's yes. very complicated. Yes. And, you know, we're creating new programs and doing new things, trying to keep that level of engagement. So that's one thing that is a complexity that I'm, of course, working on every day. And the other thing, of course, is because we have a very wide network, you know, I mean, when I want to talk to people in Melbourne, I mean, it works right now, but some other times, you know, there are countries or cities that are 18 hours ahead of my time. So, you know, setting those things up, it's quite a, quite a feat, right? So yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I uh, just a massive shout out um, to like, thank you for doing what you've done. 
thank you to the uh, the Melbourne chapter who've, uh, in fact, just to my right, I have uh, Francesca Silva, who's uh, from the um, uh, from the uh, the Melbourne chapter, and that group of people has just made me and feel so incredibly welcome. Uh, and I want to connect it to Simone, what Simone's comment. I I have a feeling the community you're trying to create or not just you, but everyone's trying to create, is the one that you talked about, Simone, which is the one of support and challenge. I think it is. I, mean, we've, I think HR for a long time have known that, that, it's, that it's broken and I think we want to fix it. You know? Yes. There's no such thing as an HR person. We've, we've started, we've come through something, whether it's technology, um, recruitment, training you might have been a school teacher we might have been a salesperson there's no such one thing right it's only the the hr director is the conductor of all of these different instruments that happen to be hr and if we do one thing well it's a value if we do it all to, together as a as a team and certainly as a community like hacking hr we can create a symphony of sound right that <laughs> nice. will move companies nice. to their soul and we can do that better than anyone Wow. Yeah. If you think about it, Colin, the, the number out of the two or three top reasons for happiness is a human connections. Yes. That is always coming up in the three top main ways uh, uh, for, for why people are happy. And people always are longing that sense of connection and, you know, human touch and, and you know, talking to others and being heard and, you know, hearing others. And I'm hoping that that's what we're doing with Hacking HR. Mm. You know, we bring people together. And we just, you know, give them the opportunity to touch other human and to talk to them and say like, oh, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. You know, uh, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're actually, please do not underestimate this to anyone who's out there listening. Uh, the power of listening to each other, supporting each other, talking with each other. And at its most basic, it, it, sometimes it's, hang on, I'm not going crazy. I'm not alone. Mm. Uh, it is difficult. Sometimes people do have to do what we were talking about before, which is make someone redundant or, or mm. have a very tough conversation. Mm. Uh, and that's not easy to do. We need to look out for each other. Our, our hearts get broken along the way, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. which is why some you'll see some HR people out there who've got a pretty tough, they develop a, a thick skin. A tough skin, yeah. Yeah, right. and they, because they don't want to get hurt, yeah, right? Yeah. Because they've had to make a lot of people redundant, yeah. right? And, and change lives. Or, I have a friend. She, she's, she was a CHRO of a company that lost a big contract, so they had to lay off like half or, half, half of their uh, workforce. And she talked to she talked to me about this person that she had to fire, and that one person had been working in there for 30, 35 years, doing basically the same thing. And you know, she she left the company, no severance package, no nothing. And you know, my friend was almost like you know in tears because for her, I mean, she couldn't be in tears necessarily you know, having that conversation because it's complicated, but, mm. you know, her humanity shows, you know, in the way she tries to help people and it's tough to do that, right? So the work of HR is complicated. It's not easy, like you're saying. It's not easy. It's not easy. We come it's into difficult. it with a very open heart, right, and energy because yeah. yes. because that that's the intent is we're open to people. We've got to keep that, that information secure yeah. and confidential and absolutely nine out of ten people do that. When yeah. I make that comment before is we yes. shouldn't do that. We know yes. we shouldn't. You know, there's integrity to this role. Yes. But in doing that, we look as though we're private, secretive because we have to keep – these things these things to ourselves right yes. so the trick is 
to to focus to have our conversations on things that are achievement orientated in the business. Yes. And to go to a source outside of the organization that we're in for that support and challenge and comfort I love it. that we need as, as our own human I beings. It. I love it. Um, I so want to continue. I kind of know that uh, we all have to uh, move on with our day today. I know we will keep connected and stay in conversation. Um, Enrique, before I finish, I know you have some really amazing, not just the whole community, but some amazing events coming up. Is there anything you particularly wanted to shout out now or promote? Can I share like four things? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I'm going to share four things. I think it's four. Maybe I'm miscounting, but I hope it's four. So the one thing that I want to I want to share a couple of events that are coming up uh, in on at the at the beginning of February of next year, we are going to have the very first I think ever you know nobody has put something like, like that together. It's going to be an online demo week, so it's called the HR Tech Startup Week, where we're bringing startups, uh, which you know a lot of the times don't have the resources to pay for you know expensive marketing uh, sort of stuff. Yeah, great. So we're bringing 50, we have we have 110 applications. We're bringing 50 startups to showcase their products. And we're going to be doing this at least two, you know, three or four times during the year. So that is at the beginning of February of next year. Then in March, we have our 2020 signature event. It's called HR Innovation and Future of Work Global Online Conference and Workshop. We're bringing four days packed with, you know, three days of keynotes, breakout sessions, panels. Then we have a workshop. We're bringing more than 150 speakers and it's all free. It's all online. It's all going to be recorded. If you look at the speakers, you know, you just go to the website. It's amazing. If you look at the speakers, we have some of the most renowned uh, global thinkers participating in our events. It's amazing. All for free. Yeah. So those are two events. And, and, the, the, web, two and the website went live. The website went live this week, didn't it, on that event? The website, yes, correct. On Monday, we, we, uh, on Monday, we launched the, uh, our uh, official website for great. the event. And actually... Yesterday, we launched the new website for Hacking HR as a, as a whole. Oh, wow. So it's already, so just take a look. It's, a, it's pretty cool. We are, we are going to be including more things, but you know, it looks really nice. And then the other two things that I want to mention are, number one, we just partner with a company called Humaxa, and they, they provide a, a chatbot in Slack for mentoring opportunities. This is something that I have been dreaming with for quite a while, and now we can do it. So we are connecting people in our Slack channel for mentor-mentee kind of relationships. So join our Slack community to do that. And then the second thing is that today we launched uh, a program called Grow. So we're going to be helping the next the next generation of chief people officers and chief human resources officers uh, through a development program. Through, you know, we're going to be uh, we're going to bring high-level mentors, networking opportunities, and and all those things. So the, the applications will open in January. But right now we have a wait list open. So a lot of good things Amazing. happening, bring this community together. Amazing. It sounds like, and just a, a, a callback for me, if you're starting a career in HR today, and if you have had a long-term career in HR today, there's no more exciting time. There's so much opportunity. Uh, yes. I can only imagine uh, availing yourself to some of these opportunities just makes so much sense. And it just will help you to feel inspired, connected and motivated. So it's just brilliant. Simone, I'll um, almost ask you uh, 
maybe the, the last couple of words around this. Uh, what, is, what is this conversation, given Leadership of Fools is always about improvised conversations. We never quite know where it's going to go. That's right. <laughs> and a bit of jazz as well. Um, in fact, I think we need the symphony. We do. We, I really like that metaphor. Uh, what has this got, conversation got you thinking? Mm. Oh, I'm excited about hacking HR. I think it is a it's a, a global movement. Congratulations, Enrique, Thanks. and to to all that have been involved. Uh, you know, I'm also excited about the idea that that more people uh, can transition into HR itself. You may not currently be in HR, but see it as a as an opportunity to come in and uh, you know be a part of this this sort of uh, advancement that's happening economically businesses are placing much more value on long-term success i think a lot of the short-termism that was driven by um just uninformed shareholders who are now more informed about long-term business viability are interested in the role that hr can play uh, not only from a due diligence point of view and a governance point of view, but from a strategy and growth point of view. So it's got mm-hmm. me thinking about strategy, uh, about sorry, HR in the strategy room, uh, and the and uh, the role that we can play there moving forward, and uh, uh, the idea that we could need to be tapping into resources, books, podcasts, uh, connections, and conferences Brilliant. on subjects that are broader than the, than the functions we operate in. Brilliant. And my final takeaway: um, last night I was packing. Packing for this amazing trip we're about to embark on as a family will be the first time we'll be in uh, Europe for the sort of holiday periods. And um, I was trying to convince my incredible family members that packing my microphones and podcasting equipment would be worth it. And I've somehow convinced them that, yes, but I'm now more convinced than ever. So if you happen to be in Sweden, in Amsterdam, in London, in Paris and you're working in HR and you would love to be on the Leadership of Fools podcast, you never know. If you see somebody standing around with a microphone, it's probably me uh, looking a bit lost but ready for a conversation. Look out. Look out, yeah. So um, thank you so much. Thanks, Enrique. It's just been a brilliant conversation. I know we'll continue this. Thank you, Simone. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Um, And I'll sign off. Thanks, Leadership of Fools. Bye. We make Leadership of Fools because we love it and because we believe that conversations are more important now than ever before. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts and while you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. You can also check out extra content that we upload onto our LinkedIn page at Leadership of Fools. Thanks again once more and until next time, goodbye.